Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Cobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Dan Salmon, CEO of Kojute, a London-based business whose aim is to digitise the UK residential property markets. Dan's background lies in banking, Capital One, RBS, NatWest and Barclays, where he helped to pioneer contactless cards and mobile payments. Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Nice to be here, Dominic. Now, Dan, looking at your banking background, I was wondering what it was that drew you to residential property. So I went and looked at the Office for National Statistics data on residential property transactions in the UK in the last 15 or 16 years. Doesn't seem to go back further than that. But I found they were averaging more than a million a year, 1.1 million a year. In a good year, it was like 1.7 million. So you're looking at more than 100,000 transactions a month. So it's clearly a very lively market that you've chosen to address here. Now, is this a case of the sky's the limit? You know, can all 1.1 million transactions a year benefit from what you're planning to do? Yeah, I think I think they can. I mean, the 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 UK residential property market is uh, an ecosystem of lots of individual professions working together and. Uh, one of the reasons it's so challenging for everybody involved, actually, the buyer, the seller, but also the people involved to process property transaction is that degree of complexity. So anywhere where there's that much complexity can yeah, really benefit from the kind of network that we're bringing. And that would include yeah, all of those transactions, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that easy to, to track what stage you're at in terms of funding by the usual methods, but... Amro Partners did announce uh, they were part of a, a pre-Series A funding for you, so you're clearly gearing up now uh, to, to launch the, the service. Now tell me, what is it that the investors you're attracting like about what you're doing? And secondly, what are you going to spend all the money on? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's been tremendous interest, actually, internationally uh, from investors in, in, in what we're doing. I, it's, it's I suppose two things have come together there. One is uh, the property market and the property industry as a whole is probably under digitized. If you look at it compared to other industries, whether it's oil and gas or manufacturing or whatever, it, it sits low on the chart. So, you know, I think everyone involved in the industry would say there's huge opportunities to improve that with technology. Uh, and then the other side is is the arrival of blockchain, you know, really powerful technology um, that is it has got tremendous promise. And I think over the last few years has has kind of come out of the hype cycle where it, you know, for a period perhaps was seen as the solution for everything. And now what's becoming clear is where it is a really powerful solution. And that's certainly in the case of, yeah, bringing together a load of disparate parties. So I guess, I guess the, the nexus of those two things certainly makes uh, Kojute an interesting proposition. Um, what we've been spending the money on is we, 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 people have often only discovered us recently, we've actually been around around two years now running pilots originally with the land registry and then with various banks uh, and with the UK property industry. And over the last year, we've been building the platform. So we are uh, industrializing the technology and readying it for market. Um, and over the coming uh, few months, we're going to start, start the rollout. So that's, that's really where the money's gone. We've been uh, preparing hard for what is in our eyes a new piece of national infrastructure it's a major endeavor to create uh, what we're creating and we're we're super excited that it's going to be coming to market now as you just said you're you're you've been spending the recent past building the platform you're now uh, preparing to to roll this out what's the timetable you're working towards in terms of, of rolling out this service 
Um, so we'll be announcing uh, shortly uh, when we're ready to be uh, live in the market. And then over the, the first sort of sort of three to six months, it's quite a quite a cautious rollout, actually. We're we're working with some very big platforms who will be uh, effectively the distributors of a lot of the network that we're doing. Um, and we're really keen to make sure that, that we really prove it out, really trial it well with uh, with the first customers. So uh, so it's going to be a little bit gentle to begin with as we make sure that uh, yeah, the very best features are brought to life and people are really enjoying using it and it's working really smoothly. And after that, we'll then accelerate. So I think you'll see over the next sort of 12, 18 months, a pretty rapid rollout actually. And we'll go quite quickly into uh, something perhaps people have heard of to something they're just coming across all the time where it's um, it's pretty natural to expect something to be connected to Koju, which, uh, so yeah, I would have thought certainly 12, 18 months will be, will, will be pretty widespread. Mm -hmm. Now you're using uh, R3 distributed ledger technology rather than what the purists would call classic blockchain. Was that a concession to the need, given the, the volumes in this market, was that a concession to the need for speed and, and scalability? Yeah, I mean, what we love about the R3 Corda technology is how well it's proven uh, in environments like banking. Um, you know, that's my background. I see, you know, banks being connected for settlement, for international trade, uh, for trading platforms, for all sorts of things by R3 Corda. So it's got that speed and security. Um, and we particularly like the privacy aspect of it. It's not a it's not a broadcast blockchain. It's one where parties come together and share just between parties. It can be done in a in a very secure way, which yeah, which we really like. So yeah, in some ways, it, we're bringing banking technology into creating you know the kind of network banks take for granted. We can now create in the property industry, and yeah, we we, we like the way we sometimes say we treat your your data like money. <laughs> you know, it's it's it needs to have that degree of security with it. So. Yeah, that's what we can do with Corda. Now, despite what you've just said, you know this will this will be a blockchain network with with nodes in it, and it will be commonplace in uh, projects of this type, which require people to change their behaviour quite substantially. I suppose it would be commonplace for you as the service provider to to operate the nodes at least um, initially. So, mm. what's your plan? Are, are you are you going to do that, or are your users going to operate them from the from the outset? Um, I think there'll be a range, actually, Dominic. Um, we, we've very much set it up. You know, we want to be a very open network. So we've set it up so um, there really is a degree of independence around, around the nodes. They, they, they're you know, properly set up so that if a bank wants to run their own node completely behind their own firewall in, a, you know, in, in their world, that's absolutely not a problem for us. Equally, you're absolutely right. We, we deal with some... Um, uh, particularly some of the smaller software players who, who really don't want to be running a blockchain node and we offer them a completely managed service. So yeah, we're, we're agnostic actually. And it's, it's uh, you know, those of your audience who know the blockchain world better will, will know there's something really distinctive here from you know, previous attempts to try and you know, bring data together in the property market invariably involved creating some great big database in the middle that someone runs for them. And, you know, on the face of it, that looks like, oh, well, that's that's similar functionality. We're all sharing data. But yeah, to, to our way of thinking, that's completely different. That's giving all your data to some third party, whereas it's very much almost in our constitution that the way we like to operate is 
if you want your data to be completely yours and secure in your environment, that's absolutely fine by us. What we're doing is enabling you to, yeah, to synchronize with the rest. So yeah, they can do it however they like. Well, I'd, I'd like to come back to that point you've just made about data because I think it's a, it's mm. a important one. But before I do, could you just tell me how easy it is to connect to your to your network? Do, do people have to, I don't know, change their software, invest in an interface, or is it more straightforward than that? Because you're dealing with, a great, as you say, a great spectrum of people from, you know, global banks at one end to uh, small conveyancing shops at the other. Yeah, we, we've made it really easy. That's that's uh, it been a really important part of making it open. So, um, you know, the, the sophistication of the blockchain is sort of hidden, if you like, behind the node. There's then straightforward APIs that people can connect into their software. Um, we don't have a front end. We're not a platform. We, we don't have an app. We don't have you know, front end screens that people use. What, what we have is, is APIs. So um, there's a variety of how people build it in, actually. So some people are building that in very much fully integrated into their system um, so that a little connected by code may pop up on the screen. But otherwise, the screens you're using are your familiar screens in some cases. Others have set it up as um, almost a pop-up, as some separate screens or widgets that, that come up when you want to inter interact with Kojute. But in all cases, yeah, the idea is it should feel like you're in your software. You don't have to leave it to use Kojute, you know, any more than you have to leave a bank account to make a swift payment. You want it to be part of the experience of being in it that you can connect. So yeah, it should be, but those APIs, we've got a really gorgeous developer portal. It makes it really easy for people to connect. And do those APIs, are they being standardized so that they can interact more easily with, with your service or do you provide sort of workarounds for that? Um, so they're a pretty straightforward set of APIs, actually. So um, there's a, a sort of adapter mechanism where people, um, if you like, translate the, what they call the, their particular data. I mean, across the property industry, there's tremendous amount of consistency, actually. Um, you know, people all have their own way of calling things, but ultimately we're all doing the same property transaction. So unsurprisingly, it's basically the same stuff. But yeah, there's an adapter process where they convert uh, what they've got into what we need to be able to transmit and then at the other end it's translated back again and that's a process that we usually help a bit with but it's it's fairly straightforward people could do that themselves okay now to, get, to go back to the, the point you made about data a, a while ago you know if people want mm. to keep their data behind their firewalls and so on and not control who sees it that that's fine with you now the benefit of, of blockchain technology very crudely speaking is it's going to allow all the participants in this market or any market to share and, and update the same data set simultaneously now you're building yeah. this um incredibly uh, extensive and quite complicated network consisting of estate agents and conveyancers and mortgage brokers and mortgage lenders uh, presumably others including lawyers uh, now, doubtless, all those participants are keeping their data in a slightly different format. And we've touched on this with the with the APIs. In the end, it's all yeah, yeah. names written all the rest of it. But but they will also have these these varying levels of of technological sophistication. So, do your APIs enable you to overcome the fact that people are keeping this raw data, this unstructured data, if you like, in lots of different ways? How big a barrier is that actually to to building this network and scaling it quickly? 
it's a really good question. I think I think from uh, the set of data that we're beginning with, because there's a journey here. People you, you sometimes don't don't see that, but I, I think one of the great when when you think of that innovation curve between early adopters and early majority and down to you know the late majority and so on, people forget that that's not a static curve. That the kind of people you know, I was involved in the rollout of contactless years ago, and the very first people to use that were one group. And there was a group who wouldn't have touched it in the first year because it was all far too new and complicated. Well, those people are now using it very comfortably now because as things become more normal, it becomes easier and easier to adopt. So I think the, the set of data that we're starting with is, is pretty straightforward, actually. It's stuff that most people have. There's undoubtedly a set of data which at the moment is more buried. There is still data which is being passed around in PDFs and goodness knows what else that in time really ought to be opened up and put on the blockchain and shared in a more sophisticated way. So I think I think that will come with time. But it you've got I think you've got to start somewhere so yeah I, I don't see a huge barrier for the kinds of data that we're sharing at the moment for example one of the things we're enabling is messaging so just to be able to communicate from within your software with other parties in a secure way that, that's pretty straightforward stuff that adds a lot of value and actually isn't available now mm -hmm. as you say you've got to start somewhere but as you as you inch up that that mm. curve and, and the, the product and the, and the users develop with you, your network eventually is going to end up handling quite a lot of data flows, isn't it? Do you, is one of the, the, the services you aim to provide in the future, or maybe sooner rather than later, I don't know, but do you see opportunities here to provide data analytics services? In other words, telling the users something they didn't know before, helping them yeah. understand what's going on. Is that part of the plan? Yeah, we, we absolutely do see that. We Data privacy is very important to us. So I think there's a balance between, you, you know, if you like, exposing people's data in a way that they don't want for the benefit of analysis, but also providing services that they do. Um, our sense is certainly the there's a huge opportunity here for, for AI and automation and other aspects. I mean, if you think of the property market today, if, if you wanted to kind of make a guess about where it's going, your best data that you can use in often cases is monthly reports. There isn't really real-time data. And certainly if you look, for example, in, at a bank, how they manage the cash, the inflows and outflows of mortgages, their ability to know what's happening when is quite limited. And that, that applies to all sorts of operational processes. I think we all experience this personally, actually, when you move into a property and you announce you want your broadband changed, it's often, it could be a two week process. It's like, how is it that that was not possible that they couldn't get the data that that was needed earlier? So yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, both personal and, and more metadata. That we will have and i think what's new about koju is we will have it and as you say in a standardized form for the market so you know we will be able to say you know for example you know uh, where you're dealing with you know I, I, you know a large pool of different uh conveyances for example you'll be able to you'll be able to see what's happening across those conveyances in a way that was never possible before yeah well i guess in the residential market like um like, as you say, changing your utility provider, your broadband, your electricity, your gas is very inefficient, very paper-based at the moment. Incredibly inefficient, this is, yeah. of, this is the promise of open data. It makes that process efficient. I hadn't thought of it in this market before, but I can see now you, you, you've made the case for it. Now, there's another opportunity, it seems to me, you you, you have in front of you, which is, which is this. 
The, the UK residential property market has been identified by a succession of bodies over many years now, by the Treasury, by HMRC, by the National Crime Agency, by even the Mayor of London has spoken about this. It's been seen as vulnerable to exploitation by, by money launderers. Uh, now, do the benefits you see um, being able to develop for your users, will they include access to a stronger and better KYC, AML, CFT sanctions screening services provided either by you or by or by third parties. Is that part of your your long term agenda or even short term agenda? Yeah, I, I, I very much think so. I think not not provided by us, but I think the 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 Kojit rails are really useful for any kind of services that involve people exchanging data suddenly become a lot easier when there's a, a standardized network. So identity is a really good example. It's really easy to get a digital identity. It's actually quite hard to share it because if you can share it with someone else, firstly, you have to send it across a mechanism that, that doesn't you know, risk it being disrupted. And then secondly, the person on the other end often has to then verify it, which themselves then needs another integration. And you know, something like that, I think one of the big barriers to digital identity has been the challenge of everybody having to integrate to every digital identity service. Well, you know, once things are on the blockchain, it's possible for one person to take a digital identity and then share it securely with another uh, on the same network. And I think that's going to be true for a lot of these services. So yeah, I, I think it's been the missing link in the property market, actually. I think we've seen lots of really interesting developments, whether it's document signing or identity or you know data analytics that, that sort of look like they've got a lot of promise and then struggle to take off. Uh, it's certainly my belief that a lot of the reason they don't is because there is no easy way for everyone to integrate. So yeah, put that in place, it should help. It's worth saying the, the other aspect that we touched on earlier, the data and analytics can also help enormously uh, with fraud analytics, that having a standardized view of what's going on does suddenly then make it much easier to spot patterns of, of unusual behavior, for example. So um, I can easily imagine that in future, people will be using their CoJute network to, to help them analyze you know, fraud risks and so on as well. Now you brought up digital identity spontaneously as if it was very obvious that this was a solution to KYC, AML, CFT, sanction screening checks. Uh, and I personally, I think it is. I'm not sure everyone else uh, understands that, but it could clearly make a massive contribution to the efficiency of those checks and therefore to the efficiency of residential property transactions and indeed to the compliance performance of, of people involved in residential property transactions. So. Um, am I right to read you as having a very positive house view on digital identities? Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels, you know, within the CoJute network, you know, once you've sort of identified a consumer or a property or a, a company, that can then be verified on the network. So you can check the property, you know, UPRN's a great help here. You know, with the land registry, you can check the identity of a customer using a digital identity. And once it's done, it's done. You know, anyone can then who wants to, you can share that with. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I see a huge opportunity. I mean, just that experience as a consumer when you're buying and selling property, you've given your passport and goodness knows what else to one party, to the estate agent, and now the lawyer wants it, and now the broker wants it. And you have I shared that already it's like it feels like there's all these different separate parties and of course they all have to verify you but 
put them together on a network and you can share it with all of them in in one go so yeah this it's got to be a better way and you know talking to particularly conveyances estate agents everyone says that identity piece that alone can introduce a two-week delay whilst you're just waiting for somebody to get on and do that it's just too difficult mm -hmm. right well we'll remember that and come back to it <laughs> yeah no that would be that alone i think would add a lot of value if, yeah. if, if we well, can if help it in your market it could start to happen in other markets as well that's what i was thinking yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, I hope that she'll keep us posted on any progress of that. Now, um, to, to get back to, to what you're really trying to do, um, who are you really selling to? Now, when I visit your website, I could easily conclude that that really you're selling to, to software vendors rather than to customers and intermediaries. So could you tell me, are you selling directly to the end customers, estate agents or, or conveyances, or are you tending to go through intermediaries? What, if you like, is your, is your distribution model? Yeah, so mostly we, it, there's sort of two stages, I guess. You're right. The end users are estate agents, conveyancers, brokers, people in banks. They they are the professionals who, who make your property transaction work. They're, they're the ones who, who will see the little connected by Kojute appear on their screen and will benefit from the connectivity. But the way they're getting it, the reason it's on their desktop is because we've worked with their software players. So the the day-to-day -day partners that we tend to work with, the ones who are embedding Kojute now into their software, are the CRMs in the estate agency industry, the uh, case management systems in conveyancing, you know, broking systems, banking systems, and so on. So yeah, so they, they I guess those are the ones that we we tend to be working with, but the uh, they are our distributors. They make our technology available to the end user. An analogy we quite like is, you, know, you may send an international payment from your bank via SWIFT to a bank in another country. Um, you tend not to have your own SWIFT account unless you're, <laughs> you're a fancy corporate. You, you've probably got a bank account. That's, that's who you use, but you expect embedded in it the SWIFT capability. And I think that's how it'll be with Kojute, that people use the software they like to use, but they hope that it's, it's got embedded in it Kojute so they can use the network. Okay, so effectively they're buying a Kojute engine inside some existing software package, which they... That's right, yeah, it's a, it's effectively a, a, a plug-in. We, we sit behind those software packages. And, and actually that's part of the secret source of Kojute, actually. It's a really distinctively different way of doing things than has often been tried in the past. You know, I like it because I think great innovation is often less about making the, the functionality just unbelievably wow. I think what makes innovation take off is getting the barrier to usage down, making it easy to consume. And by embedding it in people's software, they don't have to turn to a different platform. They don't have to rekey. They don't have to learn a new technology. They just sit down at what they use today. And instead, you know, they bring up the deal they would have brought up and now they can see it's connected. And therefore the information is being updated live. They can share information live with other parties, but yeah, within their existing software. Now talking of barriers to entry, you're actually addressing a, a quite a complicated, fragmented market. It's got, we've touched on this more than once uh, in this conversation, you've got buyers, you've got sellers, you've got estate agents, you've got conveyances, you've got surveyors, you've got mortgage brokers, mortgage lenders, lawyers, data vendors, um, software vendors. You know, as you look across all the, the participants in this market, you've got somehow to address by the distribution model you've just described. What in the end is each of those groups going to gain from the Kojute service? 
Yeah, there are some things that they they all gain, and then there are definitely some distinctive attributes that different parties particularly like. Um, I think one thing they all gain is is a saving on admin. Um, it is just quicker and easier to have data automatically brought to your screen on the case you're working with, rather than to have to phone around or email to, to find out what's going on. Uh, it's, it, it's quicker and easier to send messages direct from your platform. Um, they also gain security. I think this is particularly true of the legal profession are particularly aware of this, that every time you download something to email, send it via email and then upload it, you've got three moments where something could go wrong there and where it get associated with the wrong case or get, get interfered with or whatever. Whereas because you're sending it from within your system to across a secure blockchain network to within someone else's system, yeah, there's none of those risks. So security, I think, is something... Um, you know, people get. But interesting enough, it, it, all sorts of sort of reasons people like it are, are popping up as we as we've gone through the pilots and trials. Yeah, really simple ones like you know a conveyancer receives a new case from an estate agent because the new case came across Koju. They don't have to type in the basic details. They it arrives with the details entered into their system. So that's, you'd say, well, that's quite a small thing, surely, but actually it's quite quite a nice saving. Um, the uh, the referral of business, you know, it makes it easier for people to deal with others who they know it's gonna be easy to interact with. Um, so yeah, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff. And of course the consumer experience, um, some of the parties we're talking to, um, yeah, what they like best is it allows them to give consumers an end-to-end -end view of what's going on. You know, I used to work for a bank and we had this sort of three-month dark patch in the middle between giving a mortgage and completing where we had no idea what was going on with the property transaction. Yeah, it's much better for a bank to be able, if a customer phones up in that period, to be able to say, well, I can see this is, this is where you are. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that whole experience part is... It, you know, adds to it too. Mm -hmm. Now, all those participants we talked about, some of them are, are, of course, intermediaries rather than principals in the in these transactions. And I'm sure you've been asked this question many times. But does cutting costs in this industry mean cutting intermediaries? And are you raising, by what Kojit is doing, fears of disintermediation on the part of of any of these parties involved? No, I, I hope not. And it's it's not what we're hearing back. Um, yeah, there is this is the biggest and most important purchase most people make in their lives. Um, we know young people in particular who are normally the first to use more digital capabilities actually tend to want to deal with a person even more because they want that professional expertise and advice and guidance. So I, I don't think that that goes away. I think there's a there's a false dichotomy you often hear in in, when you're talking about digital innovation, that somehow it's digital or person. And I've never seen a market really where that's what's going on. Um, you know, if, if a person is adding value and professional advice, then that, that's what you want. What, what the digital capability does is it, it takes away a lot of the, uh, the admin of the, the time consuming activity that isn't especially adding a lot of value. It just needs to be done. You know, that that document does need to be recorded. That document needs to be sent. Those details need to be updated. Um, if it could be done quicker and easier, yeah, the professionals we're talking to say, yes, please, you know, why, why would I not want to be able to get that data instantly on my desktop instead of spending a morning phoning around to try and find out what's happening? So yeah, no, I, I, I think we will, yeah, we will 
I hope, always have great professionals in the property industry. At heart, it's a very human business, I think, buying and selling property. But what, what we should be able to do is, is give them the tools that let them make the process move a lot quicker um, and with less risk. I mean, a huge proportion of property deals drop through. And one of the reasons they fall through is because they go on for so many months. Mm-hmm. All of the professionals we talk to say, gosh, if we could complete a case you know, in a month or two, we hardly any would fall through. That'd be marvelous for, yeah, that's good for us because we, you know, we get paid and it's good for the customer because they get their deals. So yeah, it, it, it should act to speed up the bits that really no one wants to do. And is that the incentives these various intermediaries or market participants have to be more efficient? It frees up time where they could do something more constructive, but it also means that more of the transactions they're involved with actually happen at the end of the yeah. day. Are there other incentives they, they gain from I'm still not really asking you what incentives they have to be more efficient isn't yeah, I mean, their revenue yeah I mean the, the primary incentive is absolutely is less time and effort spent on stuff that really doesn't add much value um, which is yeah it's good for anyone if they can save that time um, security you know the obviously the professional indemnity costs for the conveyancing as, uh, industry in particular are, are really high so anything that that reduces risks you know can can help there um, improve customer experience um, there's also a tech cost here actually um, which you know what a lot of these uh, of the different parties want to be able to share data and at the moment the only way they can do it is by building a cat's cradle of sort of individual apis which not, not only, you know, it has all sorts of problems. It's expensive. You've got to maintain them. You know, if you've got lots of connections and one goes down, you've got a resilience problem. You've got, you know, all sorts of problems of reconciliation of different data. That is an emerging problem, I think, as the industry wants to be connected. Um, it's certainly seen as a much quicker, cheaper, easier way to do it is to plug once into sort of code like a national grid. Um, and then know that you're connected to any party that you need to be. Um, so yeah, that, I think there's a whole whole bunch of of reasons, and I suspect there are more that we either don't know about or will emerge. So things like, oh, it's how I do my digital identity. It's how I connect to the land registry. I can see there'll be a whole bunch of other ones coming through. That as the network establishes, people just say, well, it's obvious. You, it's the best way to do X. Um, but to begin with, yeah. Time saving is probably number one. One final question. You you brought up a couple of times customer experience and described how an estate agent, for example, will be able to update a, a client who's wondering where their transaction has got to. Uh, now, the, as we both know, the, the residential property market in the UK is famously, notoriously uh, inefficient and exasperating. It's meant to be one of you know, life's worst experiences right up there with, with divorce as, as an unpleasant experience. So. Tell us more about, about what Cogid is doing to improve the customer experience from the customer's point of view, as opposed to the, the intermediary's point of view. Yeah, I mean, what I, I hope for customers is that, you know, because they see this, this is one of those processes where it isn't hidden from the customer how complicated and difficult it is. They, you know, they experience it when they have to give identity, they experience it throughout the process. I mean, what I've seen customers do is they tend to hunt around for someone who can help. Sometimes it's the estate agent, sometimes it's the lawyer, sometimes it might be a mortgage broker. It's just they're trying to find someone who can help them navigate this process. Um, so yeah, they feel it very acutely. And as you say, you know, in any survey, customers say this is a stressful, opaque, 
complicated, difficult process. And then we've all had that experience at the end in completion where you're hanging around waiting for your keys, but no one can get hold of you know, the relevant person who can confirm the money's gone through. And you know, of course there's a whole chain being held up there. So yeah, it's very visible how bad the process is to the end consumer. Um, what I hope in the first instance, and, and maybe consumers won't quite internalize this, is that some of those will just reduce. They'll find it easier to find out what's going on with their transaction. They'll find it easier to submit information. They'll notice, it. sometimes you don't even notice that something's gone well, do you? But there just won't be so many delays and holdups and complexities because everybody involved is, is seeing the same data and is able to share it in, in real time. Um, we, there also will be consumer apps emerging. We're already talking to some uh, consumer brands who want to offer an app or a portal to consumers um, so that they can see for themselves in real time what's going on with the different parties and communicate with them. So that would be a very visible example of Kojute in action. Will they notice it's Kojute doing it, a little connected by Kojute in the corner? I, I think we might be a bit like Visa or MasterCard where people recognize, yeah, there's a symbol on the door, but maybe don't quite know what they do. Um, you know, we, we're not in it to be a big consumer brand, but I think consumers will uh, will uh, gradually, and it'll take time as, as more processes come on board and more parties, but I think they'll gradually just find the property transaction is, is working better, I hope. That would be a, a dream. We, we think there's up to 50% of the entire time it takes could be removed just with these efficiencies. It won't solve everything. There are still steps that take time and are complex. Uh, and that's for the professionals to deal with. But there are all these little gaps in between, like a bad manufacturing supply chain that can be compressed as we've discovered in, in just-in-time manufacturing. So yeah, I hope they see that. Dan Summers, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Dominic. Nice talking to you.